Really? Surely or shortly? Which is it? Surely. You can't be serious. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. And welcome to another edition of Class Racing Today. All right, November 16th, 2020. This year is flying by. Brian, what is going on? What is going on in South Dakota? Oh, we're just living the dream over here, uh, enjoying our freedoms. Kind of dusted off the race car today, checked things out, figured out, all right, where are we going to start the projects? I, uh, I'm i waiting to see, like, when's the Arizona Association? If anybody out here is listening in the Arizona Stock Association, like, I want to know what your schedule is, because last year, the first race, I think was January 20th, and if I want my car ready to go down there, I got to get moving. So, anybody listening live Hawk. or sees that, we need that going. Matt Hawk, Matt Hawk, Brad Hawk, I think... If they're not listening right now, they might. They will probably tune in eventually. Everybody listens to the show. Why won't you? Good loyal, good loyal listeners. Well, that's my plan. I want to go down there and test and get ready for the big money race. So, I think we're running out of time. You know, it seems like the season ends. The guy runs around, goes like crazy, and then all of a sudden, boy, it's going to happen again pretty early. So, time to get the sheets ready and start. I'm going to make a list this year, just like Santa Claus. You know, make a list, check it twice, and. Figure out if I'm going to be naughty or nice. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. Okay. How much snow? How much snow in the Dakotas right now? Well, we have zero snow right here. We're kind of in the valley, so we're pretty fortunate. I think it was 45 degrees here. today and no snow, so feeling feeling good. Yeah, we're almost in Minnesota, I mean, if you're honest about it. Just, just outside, though. If our heads were a little rounder, we would be in Minnesota. Sorry, it's a South Dakota joke. We call Minnesotans <laughs> roundheads. For everybody from not Minnesota wondering what a roundhead is, yeah. They're kind of like cheese heads, but their heads are just rounder. You know, cheese heads are more rectangular. Nice. Some... My states. I, I have not been to. Actually, I, never mind. I was in Minnesota. What am I talking about? Never been to the Dakotas. I feel like I'm not missing much, right? Hey, now. I think, Bobby, you know your dream is you're going to someday we're going to take this episode live from Fargo since we know that's your favorite movie. Yeah. I got to work on my accent, eh? We're going to we're going to do a traveling road show. We're going to go to all the desolate towns. We've got the Cohen brothers to direct that episode for us still. I don't think they do as good a job as Craig. You got that right. Wait, so the assumption is that I'm directing you. You're the director. You sure. are, you know, this, this show would not writer. be. If the, sh- if the jokes are terrible, Craig's the writer. And <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'm just reading my teleprompter here. Mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going oh to get right. Craig one of our class racing today hats so his the glare off of his bald head doesn't get in front of the teleprompter so it'd make things a lot better. <laughs> She's jealous you don't have a beard. <laughs> hey, I'm trying. It's uh, just about the end of No Shave November. I'm getting close. It's, uh, I mean, even Bobby has one. I can't do that. Kinda. I, I can go about a week, week and a half, and I'm just like, no, nah, I'm over it. It's just dead weight. I can't I can't afford that kind of dead weight in my race car. It doesn't work good enough. I, I'm sure that's the problem. 
the dead weight's more inside my inside the behind the hair. It's ninety nine problems. It was so funny last week. John McLaughlin was like, "I I love I get amped up when I have to race like the good guys. The good guys. I get more nervous when I have to race people like Brian." He said. <laughs> But then he feels bad, and he's like, oh, no, you're doing really I mean, good. You're I doing mean, really good, yeah. How do you backpedal out of that one? <laughs> oh, Johnny. I don't know why I'm still friends with oh, him. He convinced me to right. get into stock luminary racing. Like, how can he still be friends with that guy? Because he wanted to position himself on the ladder against you first round everywhere. He went, see if he can get those extra 30 or 40 <sighs> points, whatever it is. You know... I just that's Hey, why I... friend, come on in. Race stock eliminator. It doesn't take any brains or skill i'll show you what to do just run me first round i'll teach you i felt like we got so much bad advice from john and he's he made me so mad with that statement i'm like we really have to step up our game so we got in-house world champion jody lang today how cool is that amazing craig give me come on give me something oh crap shoot let's go (laughs) i'm dropping the ball man talk about the producer jeez oh hold on Hang on, this has got to be good. Epic, epic fail. <clears throat> totally right, fail. Yeah. Since we're live, we're just gonna pause. I like it. Hey, hey. Yeah, that was weak sauce. I'm sorry, Jody. I apologize for all that. <laughs> See, the world champion's so cool; it doesn't even phase him. Nah. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and be awesome. No, he's probably bored with winning. <laughs> Does that but happen, Jody? A driving, you ever be like, a driving idle too many. I wonder what's for supper tonight after I win. <laughs> there you go. That's more like it. <laughs> is, that the, is that the world champion like, mindset? Do I, re- like, do I really have to pull over and do an interview, or can I just load up and leave? Man, I wonder if Justin's yeah. just going to leave his car in the trailer so I can go get my trophy. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Where's dinner? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too funny. I hope John gets his kitchen going. That is one thing we talked about last episode is if anybody's ever to racetrack with john mclaughlin you gotta at least swing by there at snack time because the dude steak potatoes like they just he's got racetrack living down to a science for as far as the meals go he is hanging out in the chat right now on facebook oh boy (laughs) look out yeah (laughs) come on brian just trying to motivate you yeah (laughs) that's what he said What's motivating me is uh, two races for twenty five grand to win. Like, that's got me kind of excited. I might not be a purist, but heads up, qualifying to make the chart. Like, let's make stock eliminator racing good again. Yep. Cool is, that, is that the new slogan? Yeah, make it great again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that would be in my head. Should be. <laughs> not that it ever wasn't great, but come on, if you're not qualifying on a ladder, you're not really class racing are you true i mean if we want to go by reaction times don't they call that like bracket one or bracket two like (laughs) for sure pro et yeah buy a pipe rack if you want to qualify that way (laughs) yeah wait we we're getting kind of this is kind of a different mood we've had normally we're so nice and friendly we drink our coffee in the mornings in the evening we're kind of ornery like yeah Making fun of roundheads and cheese heads, roundheads. My stepson keeps opening the door. He's like peeking in. He's like, I wanna, I, I, I wanna say hi. And I was I kept giving him like, ah, come on, not today. 
So. Come on, you meanie. Most of our audience is listening at 5 a.m. When, we, when we first when we first hooked up and like we said hi to each other, he wanted to come in and say hi, but I I forgot to tell him. So Ugh. next time, all right. I want to go through some winners here. Now, yeah. if anybody's been paying attention to our Facebook page, we've really been trying to give recognition to the uh, to the divisional um, champions. Top five. We've been putting the top five. Uh, in each division, we're making our way through the country. We started with Division One, stock and super stock, and we were kind of just giving them. We want to give them at least a day or at least a half a day to get some recognition on there. So since we started with Division One because it's the best, and are making our way out to Division Seven, we will start giving some verbal recognition to Division Seven and work our way toward Division One. So let's start with some stock eliminator Division Seven. Number one, division champ, Steve Wan. How fast is that guy, by the way? Uh, number two, Ryan Mangus. Number three, Justin Lamb. Number four, Kyle Rizzoli. Number five, Michael Williams. That's a killer lineup right there. Is that Steve the Wan, though. Is that the toughest division? Like, there's a there's a I interesting topic. I mean, every to every division is going to say they're the toughest division, and you That's always right. you have like multiple killers in every every division i mean well i've never raised you know, any we, of those guys but i'm pretty sure they could all beat me so i could say that that's the <laughs> toughest division thing is that I've race there was those, those those five guys all had a shot to win it i believe at that last race pretty sure yeah i saw we pretty good race yeah it's just that's gotta be brutal. we know for sure yeah, we know for sure Justin Lamb still had a shot um, in the end, but I think it was until uh, Jody, what, made it to third or fourth round in that last race, and then it shot him out. I got but as far right. as the, as far as for Division Seven, I, I believe even Mike Williams there in fifth. Oh yeah, right. Had a shot, had right. a shot to tie to tie Steve Wan, and they were talking like he had a shot to win it still. So, so five guys right. still well, with Steve a shot Wan at the had... last race. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, Steve Wan finished with 331 points. Mangus was right behind him at 330 points. Ryan Mangus, um, I, did he? Does he own the car that he drives? Uh, that was that was a Justin Lamb car at one time. I don't know if Justin Lamb still owns it and Ryan drives it, or if Ryan purchased Steve it off Williams. of him, or if somebody purchased it. Yep, Steve Williams bought that car for his daughter, and she's been running Super Street and Mangus's car. It's kind of a weird deal well that's going to be her car down the road i don't know how far down the road but that's that's steve williams's car okay yes he's a good driver i mean i came out to pomona yeah. a couple times in what 17 18 to watch and i knew he was he was in a final out there when i was there uh the one year i think it was the, the world finals in no, Winter Nationals 18, that's when it was. He had a heads up with Larry Gilly. It was a hell of a race in the final. Yeah, that's right. Um, Number three, Justin Lamb. What else can we say about him? He's just a great driver, super stock. He's He was really tearing it up at the end. Um, Great equipment, great driver. Uh, not much else you can say about him. He's a local there in Vegas, so I guess that's it's like his home track, so... He might have uh, a little advantage on on uh, the other drivers that show up there. 
Kyle Rizzoli. I've been hearing his name for years. He's a great driver too. And I'm guessing, Jody, these are guys that you probably race on a regular basis. So you know you know more about these guys than any of us right now. Yeah, they're all they're all good drivers. I mean, not a lot of people might have heard of Mike Williams, but he's he's tough. And I mean, all those all those guys are tough. You know, Rizzoli won the Jags, and like you said, Justin speaks for himself. Pretty incredible. Gilly wasn't in the top five. He's won Indy before. There's guys not in the top five. They're just clean your clock anytime you go down the track against them. Well, it's just it at six. What Mike Cotton, Phil Mandela Jr., Gary Hampton. I mean, Larry Gilly's ninth. Just solid. Yep, for sure. Solid names. Even got Gary Luke. Hampton, number eight. I'm. So I got to give him a little recognition. Way to go, Gary Hampton. You're my fave. All right. We got it six. Larry Gilly, Chris Holland, Jim Peter. Mike Cotton at six. He's he Solid and Paul well. do a lot of traveling and they race yep. a lot of races. So they are always uh and they were out in the East Coast in seventeen. They were racing Maple Grove. I had somebody I had Justin uh Pasillo drive in my car and we had to race Mike Cotton, so we did beat him, so I can at least say my car beat Mike Cotton and that was a pretty <laughs> great accomplishment. For us, for me, even though I wasn't driving it. Sweet. What kind of car does Michael Williams drive? 67 Camaro, I believe it's a 67. Really nice red, red, some white stripes and stuff on it. Ah. Goes a lot of rounds and a lot of times get knocked, knocked out heads up. Brian, I'll appreciate that, but... It, it happens. I mean, he goes a lot of rounds. Well, that's what makes it great, he, right? He, yep. And, uh, he gets hit in the heads up, or he, he takes people you, out in the heads up? No, usually he's he's getting hit. I mean, his car's no slouch, but going up against the car, Mangus drives or Gilly, I mean, those are some really fast cars. Yeah. Let's go to the D6 standings. D6, Stock Eliminator. Does anybody know who number one was? Jody, Jody Lang. Is that guy around a Copo? Wait a minute. Down. Wait a minute, Bobby. All you ever talk about is slow cars can't win, slow cars, blah, blah, blah. Let's ask the world champion here. Uh, I didn't think slow cars could win. Yeah. I'd have to de definitely disagree, <laughs> but it's not easy for sure. <laughs> we could really get it off a of hinge. What do you feel about True Start? Uh, I think we need. We it. didn't get there yet, Brian. Come on, don't <laughs> jump the gun. I gotta warm up. I have it. to warm him up for that question. <laughs> Number two, Tommy Gaynor. Didn't Tommy used to own Gibbs's car? That Camaro is that where that car came from? His brother John. I think I think Billy wishes he had that car back. He doesn't get to do cool <laughs> wheelies of that GTO. Number three, Derek. And you forgot to say how many how many points Jody had. All right, Jody had four hundred and forty points. Second place, Tommy Gaynor had two hundred and seventy-seven. That's just a commanding lead. Jody was tearing it up. I was trying to leave that part out to keep it more fair for the other participants. <laughs> if he was a fast car, I wouldn't have made such a big deal out of it. 
You know, really, though, even the spread, like, even Cal Method was still in there. Well, we missed Derek. What's Derek? Elam? Was that three? Elam, yeah. Speaking oh. of slow cars, <laughs> two two of the top three, I mean. What's he run? He runs the Pinot Wagon that runs, oh. like, 16s. And I was watching the night oh, after nice. I clinched the world uh was watching him first round i don't believe he won but he ran dead nuts in this crazy wind it was like how do you dial that thing i have a tough enough time at low twelves. he's doing it in you know mid 16s there running right on i don't know how they do it and then fourth you got cal method he was 235 points that's a guy i'd like to get on the show we need a connection with him I bet he has a good story or two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, how long has he been winning? God, he's been racing since the 60s for sure. Didn't he used to tow bar? I think I heard (laughs) an interview. Didn't he used to tow bar everywhere? Yep. If not drive it early on. (laughs) Drive him to the the track and change tires, I believe. That's awesome. (laughs) Does anyone do that nowadays? Not in class racing. Unfortunately, the ring package would probably make it about 10 miles. And <laughs> <laughs> We'd be missing about 50 hours. They should, everybody, should have, everybody after a first-round qualifier should have to drive to the nearest drive-in and get ice cream and then go back to the track for second-round qual. <laughs> then fifth, Jeff Lane. And, yeah, 233, or 223. So another close race there on six. Then there's the, Larry the, McClanahan. What about the best division, D5? I think that's the toughest one. You're skipping over Superstock, pal. Do you know that? Did we do Superstock for any of the other ones? Nope. No. <laughs> just You're just to... making your way through <clears throat> Stock. I race Stock. I don't care about the other classes. <laughs> Is there any other classes? D5. All right, we'll stop at five. We got to cut it at five. D5. Well, nobody's going to listen if we just talk stats or talk this whole time. Like, I don't want to be like the news report. Most time, most good news organizations have like some really interesting things, and then they throw sports in there that nobody cares about. Well, let's talk about the fact that Jeremy Romero and Ted Romero finished one and two in D5. Is that a father son? A I believe it's brothers. Pair of brothers. What's the deal? I believe it's brothers. That would be a heated battle there, wouldn't it? Yeah. I hope my I'm glad my brother doesn't race stock because that would be the worst <laughs> competition I'd ever experienced. You gotta mention though, I think He's I believe Jeremy's only twenty two. Yeah, I think so. And wow. Then, and then look at number three, another slow roller. Brent Capeca. That's pretty good. It's Capeca, got... that's your buddy. Yeah, you you've been talking him up all year. That's. I was. Uh, it was twenty twenty. Was the year of the slow car. It would have been better to see a slow car racing in Vegas instead of the duster, but it was kind of cool to see him go both ways. Number four, Scott Burton, and number five is Dwayne Shetland. I thought he was a. Uh... I thought Scott Burton was a Washington State uh, D6 guy. Scott yeah. and Brad? Brad is, but they're from Colorado. Scott stayed, and Brad moved up here to be an engineer at Boeing quite a few years ago, I believe. Ah, okay. 
Okay. Seems like there's a lot of fast Colorado people working at Boeing. How does that work? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, so Shitlin. He yeah. won a race at the end of the year. He's the uh four forty six back. I believe so. The black one? Black stripes? Yep. yep. Is that the guy? That's him. Steve Couch. Oh, Scott Burton, 287 points. Scheitlin had 286 points. Between uh -huh. four and five. Well, Jody, what do you get? You get paid for first and second and third in the divisional standings? Uh, yes, I believe so. And then for national standings, what is it? Top top five two. get paid? Top two. <laughs> oh really? Oh, just the two. Are you guaranteed yeah. but you can you're guaranteed entry to any national now, right? Yep. That alone's almost better than winning money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for forever. He's guaranteed uh national event entry forever. He doesn't have to run you don't need grade points anymore, so that's a wonderful thing. Yep, for sure. Depends what next year looks like, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, I sure hope it starts off better than this year. Like, let's just open the tracks. Use your best judgment. You know, if you're sick, don't go. But let's actually get a full season in. Yep. Fortunately, it's outside so would be nice. Fortunately, in South Dakota, our, our governor's got things figured out. So they said, "Your your adults use your best judgment. We're not going to dictate what you can or can't do." And that's pretty awesome. The only downside is, is we don't have a divisional or a <laughs> national event here either. So we have to drive to the either Minnesota or Iowa. They're not. Denver. None of those states are quite as open with their restrictions. So let's just hope this all goes away and we can all get back to normal racing. Yeah. Well, Agreed. we just had tonight. New Jersey governor just uh they're shutting everything down a maximum of 10 people indoors and a maximum of 25% at a funeral or a church um businesses all closing at 10 p.m. so we're actually we're we're headed in in a bad direction now they're saying that the cases and everything are up here so same here. I don't know what's going to happen here well, you'll, so you'll have more time for to, the best next year. You'll have more time to make your car faster. That <laughs> I don't want to make it fast. I'm I'm fine with it being slow. I have Jody Lang on the horn right now. He's going to tell me how to win. Jody, how did you get started in racing? Uh, just kind of on a whim with a friend. We were just talking about it. I've always always liked watching it on TV. I mean, obviously not stock, but just drag racing in general. And go out to a couple high school drags and watch it. And didn't really set the hook there, but probably 85 started looking into getting a bracket car and later that year got a bracket car and worked on it for maybe a year year and a half and took it out of the track and started having some fun what kind of car was it it's a 69 chevelle still have it just a small block mid 11s nothing nothing super cool you know like a 
2000s Camaro doing wheel stands and stuff. But Well, you started in a 69 Chevelle going mid-11, so you, you were probably running, what, the street class or the heavy eliminator class, and yeah, now you ended up in a stocker heavy. that goes 12s. Yeah, <laughs> went the wrong way, right? <laughs> So, so you went from chasing people to being chased instead of the other way around. Is that is that what I'm getting at? Yeah, I, I suppose because then it, it seemed to immediately kind of go to pro. I know it wasn't; it was heavy for quite a while, but yeah, because it was, I believe twelve to thirteen ninety nine, I believe, and then it now it's what thirteen ninety nine all the way down to eights or something, seven fifty. Eight, yeah, for pro. I think. Nine flat. Last time I bracket raced, yeah, I don't could, know what it is. Yeah, that could be, but definitely a big difference. What uh, what, what track were you learning the ropes at? What what's your home track? Seattle International Raceway at the time, now Pacific Raceways. Okay, is where, that where I lived back close, in the close to you? Or? Where I lived back in the day, yeah, that was fifteen twenty minutes away as well. So, what uh? When did you get in stock then? Well, started you know, like 85, 86 with the bracket car. Then the national event came back in 88 up at Seattle. It was gone for a while. And I'm watching guys that I bracket race against out there running, and I'm sitting in the stands. I'm like, it was actually Don Elgin. You know, all people, I don't know if you guys heard of him. He's kind of a local like, man, I've raced that. I've beat him. He's beat me. Blah blah blah. What am I doing here, sitting in the stands? So about '91, I'm like, I got. I didn't want to change my bracket car on. I want to leave it what it was and started looking. And you know, hey, look at the station wagon in the back of the National Dragster. That looks looks like a cool car. And uh, yeah, that was probably right above where Brian lives, but in Canada, like Saskatchewan, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, where I got the wagon from believe it or not so and that was way over there that was in 91 you said i think about the yeah the end of 91s when i got it and it took me wow every bit of well over a year to get that thing under the index it was frustrating after buying a turnkey car so was it it was a race car then when you bought it you just yep had to work on it wrench on it yep did you pick the combo for a reason or was this the opportunity you found that car and liked it or did you research combo before you bought it or a little bit a buddy had a, a wagon and i kind of knew the th about the 305 and stuff but i, I didn't kind of like where you probably were two years ago or what I, I didn't know anything you know when you hear stock you're thinking it's the stock motor <laughs> like you can't <laughs> How hard do anything can that be, you know right exactly and it seemed that class seemed affordable at the time for me i wasn't making a whole lot of money back then so Kind of like that and i have a little soft spot you know for the wagons i like wagons for whatever reason but so was it a class car when you bought it or you bought it and made it a class car no it was a class car just uh it wasn't made too clear that it wouldn't run under the index when i bought it and that's the way it goes but like i say it was fun frustrating but fun so a guy should have just took it and wrote, drove her bobby races that way you can go under easy <laughs> Oh, he's in Seattle, isn't it? Like sea level there. Pretty much, yeah. What uh, led well, to the superstock car? Just at that point, it was 
like I think back even with the wagon, it was that class was full tree. Always loved super stock, obviously, wheelies, big tires, and full tree again, and just kind of went from there. That was 2004, I believe, when I got that thing. So, I always loved, so loved much the classes. Later, yeah. Now, your brother Toby uh, used to race. Did he? Um, you guys, I'm sure, traveled together. Now, is he is he older or younger than you? And did he help like get you involved in it also? No, other way around. He's older, but I got him into bracket racing at first, and then uh, slowly into the stock eliminator thing later on. Not too too much later, but four or five years after he started bracket racing, he was already getting into the class deal. So, on your wagon when you got it, what would you say is the what was the first big hurdle? Like, when did you feel, what did you work on that you felt like you made the most progress? Like, did you start on engine right away or was it chassis or was there? No, I learned, I knew nothing about quadrajets and learned a slow learning process, but basically all of 92 tuning it. And the biggest thing was the block that was in it was just a POS. It was, it was really bad. So once I got rid of that, and it was kind of uphill from there. It was was a big difference, just the, just the block, which was ring seal, basically, and went from there. But yeah, the, the Q-Jet's kind of a little finicky, to say the least. But uh, we figured it out, and yeah. How long did it take you to get under? When they raised the index two tenths. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Yeah, before my first real race, they, the winner of between 92 and 93, they took the indexes up two tenths. That was it. I wonder if they'll do that again and this that, year. <laughs> they keep going the other way. Yeah. You're going the wrong way. frustrating for guys. Yeah, for guys starting out, that's got to be frustrating. You know, and that's... Yeah. It's interesting how there's just right. when I when I started a uh, Superstock L stick was eleven fifty five, and we were going like eleven thirties, and then that first year they they dropped them all three tenths, and it was eleven twenty five, and we were just like, oh come on, yep, heartbreaking. <laughs> it is. So was the car fairly consistent? Then once you got the block situation figured out, or yeah, because before that when that whole year in 92 i'd tune it as i'm racing it and all that and it was just kind of all over the board and i didn't know really how to drive it with shift points and i come from a bracket car just shift it as high as you can it's going to go faster well you started learning on accident oh, i kind of likes being short shifted and just little things you pick up just not a lot of guys i knew nobody around here had that combination so couldn't go right up to him and ask him what he did or there was guys uh you know back in the midwest and back east i'd call them up and of course you know stock guys are a lot of them don't want to share their information so especially when you don't know them you're just calling them up out of the blue well they might tell you something is is it good information or not it's probably the the question true yeah that's true too do you do your own do you have a do you have a quadrajet guy or do you do your own or do you get any recommendations for guys out there that are struggling with a quadrajet some other guys recommended val headworth and there wasn't a whole lot of guys that 
I remember back then, but those were the two I can kind of remember and went with, uh, went with the Headworth one and most of that carburetor is still on the car today. So. Nice. Do you do your, do you do any of your own mechanic work or do you have a motor guy and a trainee guy or how much of that do you do? But Leo Glassbrenner does the 200 that I use and, but motor stuff, I like doing all that stuff myself. Just obviously need to have a machinist to do everything and I'll do the assembly on it. Well, that makes me feel good. Cause I run a, I got a Leo metric 200 and getting ready to send him another one to have him make sure it's all freshened. And uh, when I got my car running, I started with the turbo 350 just to make it go back and forth. And I've actually picked up that, uh, the metric 200 from Gibbs there out by you. And it's got the remac on it. I'm like, Oh, who's this guy? And put it in my car and went two and a half tenths faster. And I'm like, geez, oh, wow. if everything you could do could add two and a half tenths, like how hard right. is this class? Right. That's right. <laughs> oh, there might be something better out there, but yeah, Leo's my guy. Now I just call him and hey, he's a good guy. Another tough division seven guy, really tough in both classes. Yeah. It's fun watching that Copo go down the track. Yep. The, uh, so you don't run, you run a auto one, two then, or do you have a manual shift guy or an e-shift guy or what do you just do it? Shift it myself. Doesn't like it. Had, when I had my, uh, 350 in the car, I kind of did a, my own auto one, two, and it left in second gear one time. And that was it. I was done with the whole auto one, two thing. So supposed to be faster but i'd rather be able just to move the lever and have the thing shift than relying on governors and trans pressure and whatever else controls all that auto stuff so do you ever think about going to a four speed i'd like to i'd like to drive one before i hang it up i would probably not going to be my own but i would like to try that i think there's a few people out there racing for points that would hope you would (laughs) Well, you listen to all these podcasts like John McLaughlin. Hey, it's more forgiving, so it's got to be better, right? It's easier. (laughs) He never said easier. He said more forgiving. It would be fun, though. Yeah, I can vouch for that. So then basically, you've had the same car since 91. Like, do you, what kind of, how many passes are you making a year in that? Do you keep track of that? Or I'm not a good run counter, but it's. The last, I don't know how many years that thing, I've been racing it more, which I never used to like to do. I like to save runs. And this year there wasn't a whole lot of bracket racing, but they had a foot brake race up here. I ran it the last three or four years. And um, hard to say, one 150 to 200. But way back when I first got that thing, it was because we ran Wednesday, Fridays, and Saturdays up here at Seattle. It would be up there at least two of those test, uh, test days a week. So trying to figure it out. Are you having to freshen your training or anything in that time, or are you getting all season out of one? No, I get – I only freshen that thing probably – I have two of them now. Probably every three years, you know, you you take it to Leo after one year. He just kind of laughs at you, tears it open, goes, what what'd you give me this for? You know, <laughs> that, so. That's kind of what I found. Like, everybody's like, oh, you can't run a metric. You know, I put 175 runs on this year and took it apart. It was just like new inside. It's like – yeah. Everybody's pretty, like, oh, every hundred rounds, you got to take them apart. You got to take them apart. And I, I thought maybe I just got lucky and had a good one, but maybe I just got the right guy working on it, I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's hit and miss on some of that stuff, but that's good. Well, I think the thing I've noticed is there's things you can lighten and that make sense. And there's things that get lightened that don't make any sense. And right. 
when you look inside a couple of them, there's parts that, okay, this looks a little sketchy. Why would you do that? Typically, those are the parts that fail, and I feel that he does a pretty good job at not doing that stuff. So, right, true. No reason to go anywhere else, I guess, for myself. But that's not if it's working. <laughs> yeah. So the next year, do you plan on traveling a lot, or just hitting divisional races? Or are you gonna go race us all in St. Louis, or what are your plans? I uh, wish, wish I could. I doubt that's gonna happen, but if. Pomona and Vegas and Phoenix don't go off. I mean, I think that Midwest deals right around there, isn't it? April or everything's supposed to start up in April on the West Coast. So, yeah, it's last weekend in April there. I think the that they're shutting shutting things down up here. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, it's a it'll be a good deal. I think it'll generate quite a bit of excitement. Been getting a lot of feedback. People are pretty excited, and I feel that. At least he's doing it the right way, you know, having tech and qualifying yeah. to make it, heads up races, like that's what it takes to That's right. You want to be a purist. I mean you could argue about all the rules and stuff like that, but those are like three main fundamentals that you have to have if you're gonna call it stock preliminary racing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. True. For sure. We have to we have to persuade him to do uh class eliminations too. Remember we mentioned that? So I'm hoping he can do that. Yeah, it's the part about the then, sports nationals we used to have was clustering sports nationals as well, but everything's down to like all that Vegas stuff was all two day races except for the national event. So it makes it kind of hard that way. But yeah, that'd make it a good trip for anybody if you had class then. So you had yeah, two, class and if and, two and races, even right? Better if it it's going to go off paid. Yeah, it's also, so I we'll think... See, we'll see where he takes that. I kind of see his point, though, like, where you... The first time, like, you know, keep it attainable and keep it where you can keep everything running smooth. The worst thing you can do is get 128 cars there and then have a hiccup and not get the whole thing run or something, or if you get a rain, sure. or... There's a lot yeah. of things that can happen that can really change the schedule a lot. So I... I'm sure, uh, I'm sure CRT will be posting some kind of contingency there, right? <laughs> That's the plan. We'd actually I, like I to... I already thought of one. <laughs> We'd like to do more of that. It? It's going to be the true start contingency. If you're the slower <laughs> car and the faster car, red light's worse than you, you win you, you get that, our man? contingency. My contingency pack, my personal contingency package. Craig or, uh, Craig and uh, Brian don't have to sign on to this one. This could be just mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like the worst light that wins in the last three rounds. The worst winning light. Hmm. You got you got to keep it. You could do that one. We'll have Craig pick one too, since he's becoming a uh, a knowledgeable racing enthusiast now. He'll probably pick the prettiest car contingency or something. Knowing the <laughs> it has to be the sexiest if it's going to win. <laughs> Is that driver or car? <laughs> you choose. <laughs> oh, it's a rabbit hole. We don't want to go down. Talk about sexy cars. I like them golf cart wheels you got on the front of that wagon, Jody. <laughs> the rubber bands. So we know how, I mean. 
How big is that? To cut lights as consistently as you do in that car. What are they? 24 inch uh, tires? No, those are too tall. 23s. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Do you save money that way? Are they cheaper? Is that? No. I think they do make a 22, but the headers might drag. (laughs) (laughs) I would not have headers left if I had that sort of tire, I think, in my car. Yeah. I don't, I don't like them, but it's necessity with lights. And as soon as they went the LED route, I don't know, probably knocked off 15, 15 to 200, something like that off the reaction time at the time. But yeah, it makes the car pretty ugly. <laughs> it's that small of a tire. It's like a four tenths pro light car or something. What's uh? what do you leave at for RPM? Yeah. Like at Vegas, it was right about 28. I can't get a whole lot higher. I mean, I probably could with some brake work, but then you had really good brakes on that car and you have issues at the finish line when you go to get rid of somebody or what have you. So, Do you use a two-step or just foot brake? Just always foot brake that car. No two-step. Well, you can't argue it's working. Yeah. I need to work on my super stock car so I can foot brake it. I've thought about doing that, but it's take a lot of work, I think. Do you practice the tree a lot in the off season? Then use the trans brake. Yeah, I'd like to. (laughs) I've tried it. It just the brakes on that thing. I can't get even close to where I would need to be to cut a light in that thing unless I put on some twenty threes or something up front. Do you spend a lot of time in the off-season practicing on a practice tree? or? I wouldn't say a whole lot. I tend to, if I start doing it a lot, I tend to start playing the game instead of using it as a tool. So I'll just do runs here and there, let it go, and come back to it. Wish we had more uh, practice tree races up here, you know, whatever you want to call them. But I know a lot of areas will have those. A lot of guys will put those on. We've We've had a few, but not as many. It's kind of a good time to get everybody together, which obviously can't do that now, but in the past, it's always been a good time. This spring, I contemplated when everything was shutting down and it didn't look like you were going to be able to go anywhere. I'm like, we should figure out how to do like an online like race. Like, I don't know how you could do it and not get a bunch of cheaters, but it would be pretty cool to go in and, you know, do a ladder. Take you just have your, your camera pointed right at the tree you're using. Yep. That's what I know guys that do the online stuff, but they all do top bulbs, so that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, you know, take everybody gets three hits at the tree, and that's how you qualify. Take the average time, come up with the ladder. And nice. I think that would be kind of fun. Yep. And obviously, you don't need a lot more practice, but there's some of us that it would really be beneficial for. It'd be, just be fun, good camaraderie, you know. That's probably the worst thing about winter is just not being at the track. It's like, man, I get sick yeah. of calling these guys all the time. You know, I haven't seen them in a week. You feel like a, like you're missing out. It's like part of your family's yeah. gone. That's right. Bobby, I think you should get a wagon. I'm telling you. I have a hard enough time dialing a hatchback. I don't know how I would do with a wagon. I probably should go a little smaller on my tires. 
<laughs> I did have I had the twenty fours on there, and I went back to twenty sixes, and I don't know. I feel like I was red lighting with the twenty fours, but what kind of rollout do you use when you practice, Jody? I think it's right around like 26, 28, somewhere in there. How? All right, so you're off the starting line, and knowing you, it's <laughs> it's it's 17 or better, and you're getting chased by a 10-second uh, Camaro. What? Take us through a run for you. What's going on? I mean, how, how do you keep pulling this off on a consistent basis? Uh, repetition? I don't know. I don't know. It's not easy. You got the weather like Vegas. I don't know how how we do so well at Vegas sometimes. Sometimes, like, well, obviously the national event, you just look like an idiot, not because I red-led or nothing like that, but sometimes the wind. If you're gauging the wind, like John was saying on the, the other podcast, like, you can look up at the flag, plan for a tailwind, half track, gust ahead when comes up, you're 1200s over, and you're like, what What happened? But just constantly diagnosing the wind. And but as far as running a faster car, it just depends who it is. But I just try to kind of know where I'm at with the dial and, you know, obviously try to hit the tree pretty good every time if I can. And, See how it plays out. What tips? What tips can you share with us if you're going down track? I mean, you obviously you can't change the dial in once you're in the burnout box, and you see those wind socks moving. They're not moving. They're moving. I mean, you have to have a plan for for every situation. Yeah. So if it was a what can if it was what can you share? With us? It, well, if it was a headwind, then it's a tailwind. That's a way better situation than the opposite way. If it's the opposite way, and I'm running a faster car, and I'm not holding a bunch which i rarely do um it's over right you're that guy's not going to slow down even close to what i slow down so it's almost like guys gotta you gotta get a sail in your car so you can <laughs> pick up some wind or <laughs> that's that's one thing like that you can't really avoid a crosswind probably even do you find that affects you in that big square car too or not too much i think too much on the et but like at vegas there that the day they canceled that sports nationals, it was in super, my super stock car. It was really bad. You come out from beyond the grandstands and it just hits you and you're really not prepared for it. Cause like for me, I'm looking in the mirror, looking over my shoulder and you feel something, you look up and you're a car width out of the groove. You know, it's instant when they were having, I believe it was 25, 30, 35 mile an hour gust that weekend. So pretty hard to, I don't know. I don't know how the the lighter, like the comp, you know, the super gas cars weigh you know a thousand pounds lighter. I don't know how the how they were even going down the track. Uh, that's why they finally called it. Yeah, that was kind of a hard break there. I think uh, they called the race. I know, like Doug Ingalls was got blown off pretty good there in his comp car, and that yep. could have possibly affected the outcome of the world champion run there. So that was kind of a hard yep. break, you know. And then they call it a half hour later, but. I mean, yeah. I don't remember. I thought that car weighs like 20, aren't they like 2,600 pounds? Like I can only imagine. And you're that long, like when the wind catches, that would have to be a ride. I wouldn't even think they're that heavy. Heavy. Yeah, I know they they definitely don't weigh much, and that's just the changing conditions. But it's pretty impressive that you can show up at that track and do as good as you can. And it's probably just knowing, probably seat time, would you say that's one of the things that probably helps you the most is just 
knowing more what the feel of the car is and what's happening when it's happening. Yeah, and just flags, just like John was saying, you know, if you're looking at three different flags, they're all blowing a different way. You just kind of pick one, depending on which direction the wind's going, something like that, and stick with it. And I mean, sounds kind of funny, but cross your fingers and stage the car. I mean, it's if you've never ran Vegas, it's you you won't even believe it. It's just it's incredible. That's kind of my plan every time I go to the track. Like, all right, we're just going to throw a dart. I think this is where we're going to run. All right, we'll just hopefully rip the tree down. Whatever happens, happens. But So that's right. an advantage of a slower car is you actually have time to watch flags. <laughs> have a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> we get to have a sandwich waiting to take off and catch that's you guys. Right. I find that's like that's probably the hardest thing. Like, you can say that true start or whatever, but just sitting there waiting, waiting the I'll never forget the very first time I went down the track and that was my charger and I raced the Dish Network like utility van. I think he was like 1830 <laughs> something. You know, I'm in the streetcar and I'm in my 68 charger and I was probably dialed like a 1205 or 1208. They're like, oh, don't go into your late turns, you know, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting in his big old utility van going down the track and he kept getting smaller <laughs> and getting smaller and I'm like, is this thing ever going to change? <laughs> the tree's <What>? broke. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in right. Did I stage right? You know what? All of a sudden it was green. I probably had like a 200 light. It was still fun running them down. Like that was, that was kind of a trip. That was, I still don't think I've raced anything that had that big a spread since, but. That's insane. You know, it's at least in the 10s or 11s, you know, that's a second or two, but man, you start talking six, eight seconds of waiting there. That just kills me. How did it feel to get beat by a van? I think I actually beat him because he had like a 340 lighter. I mean, it was just. Like I assumed oh. you got beat. <laughs> no, I think I actually, I'm pretty sure I did beat him because I went, it was like three or four rounds the first time. So. You would have remembered if you got beat by an 18 second car. Trust me. I sure as heck <laughs> wouldn't admit it if I did. So I don't know why we're even continuing this conversation. <laughs> well, the way the, yeah, the way you never fit story, I just assumed, you know. That would be almost as bad as losing to a Mustang, Bobby. Oh, goodness. I can't say that I lost to a Mustang uh, twice this year. The same freaking guy both times. Alex Weiss, thank you very much. Next year it's changing, though. He's got two on me, so now I have something to shoot for. Do you have a nemesis? We'll come out to the East Coast. Do you have a nemesis, Jody? Is there a guy that's always you look forward to racing every year? I don't know if you look forward to racing your nemesis, but nemesis, whatever it would be. But no, it's just uh, our division take gets a bad rap up here because it's fairly small, and which I think makes it tougher because you sometimes you're running that you could run a guy. I'm not gonna say almost every divisional, but sometimes like like me and Brad Burton, there's times it feels like we're running each other almost every race, whether it's here or Sonoma or. You know, that's I think makes it tough. Is there a lot of M cars in that division? Like, do you, is there a heads up potential all the time, or no? There's a couple, but uh, like the fast ones, like you know, I put put mine in L if they're an M, and vice versa or whatever. But there's not a whole lot. It's definitely not like running a faster class, which was another reason for getting the wagon. There wasn't a whole lot of 
obviously a whole lot of people and I believe it was O at the time I bought that thing, but see, I kind of did the opposite. I'm like, where is everybody fast at? I want to go get beat up by the fast guys. So let's get an A or B. Right. <laughs> and let's get a car that's been hammered really hard just to make it really educational to, to get going. But way to, way to dip your feet in slowly there. <laughs> What's the toughest combo you to get in a race the fastest guy in stock? <laughs> he just jumps. You know, 25k right race we're probably going to be about probably going to be about 10 or 12 of them at that race right you know that's funny because <laughs> i actually said we should make that should be a side bet we're going to ask that question bobby make the note that's our new podcast question is how many b cars will be at the big money class race we'll start a betting pool <laughs> what's your bet jody what do you got 10 cars in b i'd say 10 i'd say 10 to 12 just guessing but I, i'm assuming it's going to be a huge turnout so. i'm guessing there's going to be at least 10 B cars, and there's going to be five going to A to try to hide from those in B. This is what my theory is. Brian, put it in Superstock K Automatic instead, uh, and go run Superstock, probably. There you go. Better idea yeah. for you. Yeah, there's some there's some tough cars there, too. Like, uh, I'd have to add, because, so on A, I'm 32.15, and to go to, like, Superstock J, i got to be 3,600 pounds. And oh, wow. It's a pretty is it that big, much? Yeah, it's a pretty big swing, and there's some fast cars there. You got Spears always running and Jay. Um, I was going to actually, I think I can run I is the same weight as A. So hopefully with some improvements, I can get under the index. So that'll be my new hiding class. There's not a lot of I cars up here. So but if we make it fast enough, we won't have to hide anymore. So I want to go look for a few guys. It's not a big deal to switch classes nowadays with you got 850 cars in either class. So potentially right yeah that's for so, sure as far as getting chased so it's not the big disparity like it used to be 15 years ago or something where super stock had the eights and stock was in the tens tens were slower way back when yeah and you know what realistically if you're the i'll go back to so i had a race against mike manns and brainerd this year and i think i was i dialed like 1082 and i think he was 863 you know and it's just as hard for the fast car to read a slower car as I think it is for the slow car to read the fast car. I think it's it's almost like it neutralizes it some is what I've found. Sure. Unfortunately, I've been in that situation twice with the same guy, and I made the wrong call both times. <laughs> so I'm, I'm 0 for 3 on the right decision whether to hit the brakes or stay in it, but that's all part of the learning curve is just seat time and figuring out what to do and what not to do Yep. I think my new plan is I'm going to write my plan down and then I'm going to open it at like the eighth mile and just throw it out the window and do something different. Cause <laughs> don't go with your first instinct, go with your third, yeah. second or third. Yeah. I had a little voice in my head, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. I'm like, no, I'm not hitting the brakes. And yep. Wrong. Breakout. Like uh opposite George on Seinfeld. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> Boy, I was, I was way off. John McLaughlin posted here on the, the facebook live feed that doug's car weighs 1340 pounds with him in it it's gonna say 26 sound a little heavy <laughs> that's insane wow 1300 i think <laughs> doug has to eat a sandwich because he can't weigh very much and still have that car be 1340 <laughs> he hasn't been eating enough john's cooking he was probably 40 pounds heavier that day after supper <laughs> Yeah, wish I would have known about John's cooking at Phoenix. I wasn't pitted too far from him. I would have slid down there for a meal. Yeah, this is like big talk of the town here is John's cooking. I gotta 
Check this out. Maybe that'll be our sponsor. John's Kitchen will be John's a, Kitchen. <laughs> class racing today brought to you by John's Kitchen. <laughs> Use the discount code what's for supper. What is a specialty? Just about everything, it sounds like, huh? no matter what he's. Pretty typically just, uh, I think it's steak and potatoes every time I'm there, but he's got the special seasoning. I don't know if it's clutch dust or what he puts on there, but <laughs> as often as that guy's under working on his car, I don't know where he has time to go shopping. So it's probably the clutch dust that makes the steaks taste better. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta try it out. I have a totally off. Oh, sorry, my question is off the wall, off topic. But Division Seven Super Stock, Jimmy DeFrank and Brian Brossert both have three hundred and sixty-four points, and they have Jimmy DeFrank in first and Brian in second. How do they decide? What are they going to do? Is that is it tied? They both ran seven events. Um, do they like split the money here? What's the deal? I know when I've been tied which i've always lost the tiebreaker it's usually i think i don't know it could change but it's usually whoever has the most in division points is one of the first few tiebreakers i assume that's probably what what happened there but i'm not sure uh, okay because there's like i don't know how five six eight tiebreakers or something that keeps going and going was the final it one rock just... paper scissors <laughs> <laughs> Well, the first one you think would be if they ran each other, but that's usually down the list. That's I what believe. I was, yeah. Is it uh, head to head? Is not not the first one? I, okay. I, it didn't used to be. Is there about three sixty four? Then Don Keen was third at three ten. Kyle Rizzoli again fourth, and Brad Rounds was in fifth. I love Don Keen's car. I'm I'm a little partial, but yeah. Facebook Live Mustang. Facebook Live feed says most wins. Round, most like round, event yeah, wins, most round wins. Okay. There you go. What a great community! They answer the questions we don't. We we have the answer. They have the answers for our questions. That's what I love about you guys. Oh, uh, chicken is the new favorite at John's Kitchen. He says, or breezy seafood bake. So clutch dust must be universal. It works on chicken and seafood along with steaks. What's this turn into a cooking show? Yeah, we talk about everything. <laughs> Half the fun of being out the track. It is. Uh, I don't normally eat. Are you? Are you a routine guy? Do you, like, do you have some things you don't do on race day? Do you like not eat until after the race? Are you one of those guys? No, I can't do that. I start getting the shakes. I know guys that do that, and they swear by it, but they get third fourth fifth round their driving goes to hell it's like dude you gotta eat no i just stay away from the caffeine and stuff like that basically is my biggest thing do you drink coffee i do not you could probably put bigger front in tires the morning, on if you drink yeah, coffee. when you wake up drink coffee. <laughs> that might help with your front tire size if you start drinking coffee maybe folgers will sponsor your car go back to 26s with some coffee i might have to look into that <laughs> Well, Maxwell House for that car. You know, yeah, the I should. <laughs> I'm giving the world champion advice on how to drive better. This is awesome. Right. That's when you know the wheels have come off the bus. Hey, maybe you should put bigger tires on and drink coffee. What uh, what 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 do you eat throughout the day? What's your 
Like, do you avoid like just heavy foods? You just eat and just stay like, you know, yeah, stay satisfied. Yeah. yeah, I hate to learn that lesson years ago. I have a big lunch or something, and you go up there, cut a what used to be, you know, six hundred light or something. So, yeah, something light, a little breakfast sandwich in the morning, just kind of half a sandwich here, half a sandwich there, some crackers, stuff like that. Do you have a crew that goes with you and helps you? Or... Yeah, my girlfriend Martha. She's the the wind, the wind watcher. Helps out quite a bit. Ah. That would definitely be helpful. She like check the air pressure and make sure you put gas in or No, that's all up to me. <laughs> Don't want to get too lazy. <laughs> well, the year, with the year you've had this year, she must keep track of the lucky rabbit's foot or something. Like, do you ever lose that in the wagon? Cause... I think she's got it in her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Brian asked if you had a crew, and your answer was, yep, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Maybe she'll have yes. Martha's, yes. Martha's crew school. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you're saying we should be interviewing her if she's the crew. You're just the talent. <laughs> The only time you really need a crew with what we do is, at least with my cars, no, no clutch. As if you're still in them both down to the late rounds, you just need a guy to cool the car off where you take off on the other one. And so, if it's a local race, a lot of times I do have a a guy here or there. If they, there's a guy Dennis who lives around Woodburn, he'll come and help. And guys up here, but we only had one race up here at the divisional. That was it. So. So what's your favorite track or most memorable track? Which one do you really like going to? It's Vegas now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like all of them, really. I mean, I love Seattle because it's my home track, but the doesn't have really good pits. But Pomona, Sonoma, Vegas, Phoenix, you know, Woodburn, Mission's really nice. You know, I like all of them for different reasons. So what's your tow time to get to Vegas from your house? That's you know, basically a full day the way as slow as I tow. So tow slow, race slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good solid 22, 24 hours, depending on which way you go. And a lot of times, like this time of year, you're avoiding weather. So going so, in certain ways. So. so did you just leave the rig down there then and fly back? Or how'd you do that? So, yeah, I've done that most of the winters, but not if we're not going to start till April, I might like, I better get this thing home and do some work on everything. But like in between all the Vegas races, yeah, I was coming home, going to work, and you know, come back to work for like, the national three, four days, and yeah. So would you say this year there was one race that was obviously winning the world championships, probably pretty memorable, but. Other than that, what's do you have something that just really stands out in your mind for one you'll never forget? Yeah, never, I don't know, never forget, but the, the Boise final round, because I did get to run Derek Ellum there. So it's like a four, four and a half second split or something. And like you say, man, it's, you swear he's at half track before the tree's coming down. And it's just, I normally don't have to deal with that, but. He's been tough. He almost won the division, I believe, two years ago. So he's, like I said earlier, they've came a long way with that thing. But it's hard waiting that long. Yeah, especially if you're not used to doing it, right? Yeah. But probably the nice thing that really helps you though is you got enough 
diversity, right? Like you're racing really fast cars and there's some slower cars and that's doing the same thing over and over again, racing the same type of car would, it would definitely be harder to go from really fast, to really slow, like that kind of neutral middle ground. Right. You know, you see the same picture play out, you kind of know what to expect, but yep. being on both sides, that's a little different. Right, right. So your, your Camaro, do you bracket race it a lot to practice or what do you do? Uh, yeah, that's, I, that's actually what I wanted was, uh, actually won the car in a raffle of all things. And, uh, what Brian won't tell you is he won this car in a raffle with no engine and needed to put an engine in it to make it more valuable to sell. But then he tells me <laughs> that it's more valuable when you have some wins on that car. And so, as of now, he still has the car. <laughs> Gotta get some wins stacked up. Right. Well, I've, I found him a lot more successful drag racing than I am fishing, so I sold my Ranger fishing boat and decided <laughs> that, you know, it's just an awesome release. You get to drive to the track and, you know, no idea what's happening and trying to get things sorted out, but got to make some really good friendships over the last two years, and I, uh, this year I think I, I, did probably the worst thing I can do and double entered it. And you know, like Daryl Goheen's crazy. He'll sign up for three classes and just run the <laughs> crap out of that thing. And oh. my theory is, so I, it happened to me a couple times this year. So I was like, all right, I'm, a, I'm in stock. I'm going to sign up for another class. That way, basically I'm going to get like four qualifyings and try to get a better idea what to dial the car for, or just try to get a better feel for it. And my plan is, well, I'm going to go out first round in this other class and then I'm going to be that much better for stock. And if <laughs> It's happened uh, the first time I tried that. You know, pretty soon you're three rounds in on the on stock, and you're four rounds in on pro, and the car's hot, and trying to keep the battery charged. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? Because I'm typically a one-man show. I don't have anybody helping me. And, yep. But it's kind of like that stress inoculation that I do think has helped quite a bit because you're just so busy. I don't have time to screw it up. Um, but at the end of the day, I just like going down the track. So I'll race i don't care if it's a bracket race or a class race i may be starting to come full circle now or i would rather go class racing or something for some money right uh a trophy it would be cool because i've never won an actual race so if even if it's a trophy <laughs> race or a check race i don't know if it matters but yeah. i'm getting a collection i my son was in my office the other day getting ready for homeschooling and he's like dad where's your first place trophies <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> like the kids at school asked me what the trophies were, and these are you got two second place trophies. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have one yet. So, Self love. Yeah. I'm like, don't worry, it's coming. It's uh see I've got uh the second year I ever ran, I ran my brother's duster that was a bracket car. I ran my charger. I had a sixty eight charger that I went to the race twice with, and the next year my brother said, Oh, don't race your charger, that's too valuable. Here, race my duster. And he raced in Grand Junction, Colorado quite a bit. I think he won two track championships with it. It's a duster, the 360, probably had 500 runs on it. And it was like the easiest car ever, right? Go make one pass, if it ran, I think I ran, I think 1149 to 1175. You make one pass, whatever it ran, I would just write that number on the windshield. And you would just go around. It was like Groundhog Day. Everything was the same. I'm like, oh, how hard is this? Bracket racing's awesome. You know, Fortunately, the Camaro is a pretty good bracket car that way, too. But, you know, and Allison, welcome to stock where you're trying to, oh, where do I want to be on the ladder? You know, do you want to dump at a thousand feet? And that's 
all totally different dynamic, but last year I made, I think I made roughly 100 route passes in it last year in the new car, and it was a lot just to feel. I always, I tell somebody, you know, you go by a, like the cell phone store and they have that inflatable guy on the out front waving, the arms waving, it's just flying everywhere in the wind. That's kind of what I'm like in the car, and this year it started to get boring. I think I probably had about 75 passes in this year, and it's like, What's wrong with my car? It doesn't seem like I'm going that fast. You know, when you get your time slip, and oh, I went 10:42 at 127. Jeez, it didn't seem that yeah. fast. So, I just any chance I get, I've got kids, so I just love racing. So any chance I get, but luckily with our associations, you can race just about. It seems like every other weekend and go to a class race and race the associations. And if I'm there and there's something else, I'll sign up for it. Nice. Every time I do it, I swear I'm never going to do that again because it gets to be a lot, but. I don't know. At the end of the day, it's a race car. Um, I should probably save it just for class racing, but that seems kind of counterproductive. I'm not afraid to drive yep. it around town if I have to and bracket race it. I mean, <laughs> I just want to enjoy it, and I like cars. And There's no car cooler than a stock eliminator car. Yep. And there's no feeling better than that wind light coming on at the finish line. So, <laughs> I will say... Even no matter what class it's in. I always... Uh, I say, you know, there's two people that get their pictures taken, but the guys that do the biggest wheelies get a lot more pictures taken than the guys in the winner's circle. You know, that's true. <laughs> you just need a trophy for that. The winner, winner only gets his picture taken in the winner's circle. The guys doing wheelies get their pictures taken by everybody every round. So yeah, that's true. We're either winning or doing wheelies. I just got to figure out how to do both. <laughs> but you bracket race here still some or just stock now? Going stages the last, like I say, the last few years, I've bracket raced a lot more than I've had in a long time. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun. I just, it's, you gotta, like you say, with maintenance and that's why I kind of try not to, but it's fun to drive. So it's kind of nice to get out there and you run a guy that's running the same ET and you got them by 210, 60 foot. And they, they think, they think they're broke when they're looking way out on you and Especially around the Division 7 ET finals on the way to Phoenix this year. And there was a, a girl, I think we were both right around 12 flat. I'm going 108 top speed. She was going like 117. <laughs> I think it was a newer Mustang. It's quite a disparity for the same, uh, same ET. <laughs> It'd be it, fun to drive something like that. It 118 is. mile an hour sportsman bracket car. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as good as it a carny this year. John McLaughlin had the cool air. Uh, a lot of listeners probably don't know what that is, but guy that he builds cars for Westerdale has this really cool, I think it's a Cadillac. And he ran that this year in Kearney in the street class. It was pretty neat. It was in the trailer. He's hauling it to Phoenix for him. And that uh, car rolls up. And or he asked, I think it was the tech guy, like, oh, what do we put on there for a number? And they just put cool was his ID number for the race that weekend and rolling off the gas, you know, the thing left just puts along and it, uh, I remember what he went, I think he went mid twelves at like 118 and he wasn't even leaving, you know, basically just rolling off the gas and uh, it's pretty cool to watch it go down the track or two. And then you realize you're racing street cars and how safe is that to have a half million dollar car out there going down the drag strip next to a, some other car that, is out there for the first time that year. Sure, sure. But 
no it's i don't know that's probably what I really like about the stock limiter racing is what's really sucked me into the world is just the the camaraderie and the level of competition i mean you know there's some there's some guys nobody likes losing and there's some tough rounds but everybody's just so darn nice and it's so much fun and you know just the the camaraderie with everybody it just keeps you coming back and wanting to work a little harder and try a little harder to make your car more competitive and there you go That's I'd what say, it's all about I'd say you got that figured out just as good as any of us do this year. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Been doing it a long time. It's hard to fathom. It's 27 years or so I've been running that car. It doesn't seem like 27 years for sure. So Nobody sure has cars that long. Uh, <laughs> and that's loyalty on your part. You stuck with that wagon for 27 years. Didn't go to something... You know, faster. And tempted. Impressive. And then you have a good year. You're like, why Why would I? And then you have a couple not so good years. Oh, maybe I should step up to a, you know, like an EF car. But then you look at all the fast E and F cars. Or that's a whole nother ball game there. Yeah, there's, that's one thing about our class racing is there's no real easy class. Like, you know, there's. There's combos that maybe are a little lighter, a little harder, but the level of competition, there's no easy class in this thing. Yep. Not at all. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Right, Brian? Some of us so... are trying, but it's still not very easy. <laughs> well, we could talk to Jody all night. I know I want to... I would love to get every every ounce of information out of him that I could to help my program out. But uh, Jody, it's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you for spending your night with us and pretending to be our friends today. And uh, we appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you guys having this podcast, man. It's 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 cool to cool to watch and listen to and. You know, a lot of times I'll walk around work with an earbud and just listening to it. I can't watch it, obviously, you know, but when I'm working and just fun to hear you guys talk about racing, especially class racing. So neat deal. And I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, no problem. Congratulations on a great year. And thanks for coming Thank on you. with us. And yeah, to everybody out there Keep listening, the good work. to everybody out there listening, we're uh, <clears throat> working on going to YouTube being able to live stream on YouTube. We're getting it set up. We got a YouTube channel now. So go on to go on to YouTube, look up class racing today. Go ahead and subscribe to it and give us a like. That would be uh be pretty awesome. We're hoping to in the next week or t- next episode or two to be able to go live with that. Just another platform. Everybody's leaving Facebook or doesn't have Facebook. It's just another way to get the message out there. And if you haven't went on to the uh, Apple podcast, go ahead and leave a review on there. If they're positive, if they're not, you can skip that part, but <laughs> that'll help us continue getting the message out there. And we're going to work on improving. And we got some really neat guests and some really neat upgrades. That we're coming with the show and it's just been a lot of fun. I uh, learn a lot and it's, I think there's people out there just, maybe there's not that, that many, but there's a lot of people out there just looking to get into stock limerary racing. We appreciate guys like Jody and Mike and John coming on and just sharing what knowledge they have. And that's what makes us so fun is just a platform to share that and help people out and have more fun. Yeah, definitely. I'd say uh, that's a good choice. If you get Cal method on here one day, he's, he's been around, he's got a lot of cool stories that just 
you know, that stuff where they would tear down after after you win a race that so you get torn down. I I can't even fathom that. That's just that, would, that would be hard on Sunday. Yep. <laughs> Let's Trying see. Before your twenty four hour drive home. <laughs> I'm in the semifinals. I got twenty four hours. How much sick time do I have? <laughs> Well, awesome. It's been great. Thanks, Jody, for coming on. And like, if you guys want to find us, go to classracingtoday.com. If you got feedback you want to send us, classracingtoday at Gmail. Go on to the subscribe to us. You can find us on the Wide Mailbank under the Class Racing Today podcast. You can find us on YouTube. And everybody have a great week. Take it easy. Take care, everybody.